Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. May I call this the back-to-school edition? I think this could be the back-to-school edition. That works for me. Yeah, yeah. Glad to be talking with author and educator and book advocate and podcaster and all the things, Colby Sharp. Colby, thank you for jumping in and talking with me today. Thanks for having me. I am excited to do it. Yeah, yeah, excited to have you. You and I started teaching at about the same time, I think. Okay. You started in 2006. Um, I had a long-term sub that entire year. It was a long-term oh. sub for a teacher who actually died during the year. Oh, wow. Like wow. I thought I was going to long-term sub for like two months and then yeah. it just kept getting extended and extended. And then right after that, I was hired in a different building in the district in the same district. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I actually started the following year, 2007. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I started on a maternity leave. So, okay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, interesting to to fill in and sort of step in and do all of those things, uh, which is. It was, yeah. It was a lot harder to find a teaching job then. It was like really like I would apply for a job and there would be maybe two jobs and like 400 applicants. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. think we had two jobs this year and like. 12 or 13 applicants it's just a different world it totally is it totally is um so i was going to start with a question of rereading reading what what's currently on your list because i know that you are a book advocate you talked with um someone that i know fairly well Jarrett lerner mm -hmm. um just recently so any titles or authors that you would currently be recommending yeah, I just finished a really amazing book called The Lost Library, and it's by two amazing authors, Rebecca Stead and Wendy Mass. And it's the story of this town who, 20 years before the book takes place, uh, there was a terrible fire where the library burnt down, librarians perished in the fire, and they never rebuilt the library and now uh, they there, but there was like this cart in the basement that was saved. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the librarians are still around as ghost. And one of the librarian ghost wheels that out to the street and creates like a little free library. And this boy uh, check gets one of the books from the library and notices that um, his dad was the last person to check out like all of the books that are in this library. And it leads wow. to this big, huge uncovering this mystery. And there's all these different things. What you thought was one thing ends up being another thing. So that was really fun uh, for kids and for like grownups, I guess, teachers. I'm reading <laughs> Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Giudari, I think is how you say it. And it was the it was the book that Cousin was holding in the Forks episode of The Bear. Ah, and okay. Everyone in a bunch of teachers and my principal, we love that show. And that's like the greatest episode Forks ever. So we all kind of on our own started reading that book, uh, which is exciting to to talk to them about it as we go back. He was the, Will was um, one of the um, people that worked at 11 Madison Park, I think is what it's the name of the restaurant. One of the most four star famous restaurants in New York. And it's kind of how being unreasonably kind and helpful and generous, uh, how that can lead you to great things. Ah, I love that. I love that. I love the the turning around of kindness there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've also written, co-written, edited, 
some work that I'll mention, one of those being uh, Game Changer, all about access to books. Most recently, the Common Sense Guide to Classroom Libraries, big classroom library fan, uh, checking out the, I think you are in a library at the moment. Yeah, I'm in my classroom. Oh, I love it. Nice space. Nice. I, I just finished setting up. Well, I don't know if I finished, but I set up my <laughs> classroom yesterday. Uh, we'll still be tweaking, I'm sure. Um, and then, of course, you also have an anthology all about mm -hmm. creativity, the creativity project featuring many, many authors, wonderful mm -hmm. people sharing prompts and example writings. Yeah, it's been fun to to work with some awesome people to make a few books. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with with all of that expertise in mind and the, the experience that you have, just curious, uh, as we're starting the school year, any particular literacy takeaway that you would want educators to know about or be thinking about as they start this new year? Yes. If we don't get them to love reading, they're not going to keep reading. If yeah. we don't, I mean, it sounds so simple, but we are in like the middle of these, I don't know how we got here, like these reading wars that are taking place mm -hmm. where there's like these giant podcasts trashing Lucy Calkins and the units of study and all that work and talking about Fountas and Pinella and like the cars that they drive and how rich they are. And we have people going after each other on Twitter or X or, or whatever social media platform uh, they're on at that moment. And I feel like what is being lost in all of this are the children. Yeah, are I agree. Their reading lives. I can be the greatest skilled basketball coach ever. I can teach you how to shoot. I can't, but like you could be and teach them how to shoot flawlessly. Like Clay Thompson, right? Like Steph Curry's like the greatest shooter ever, but Clay Thompson has the most beautiful shot in the history of basketball. I could, mm -hmm. someone could teach that. But if you don't pick up the ball and shoot hour after hour, day after day, put in those reps, you're never going to, to, to reach your potential and you're never going to fall in love with it. But if we get kids to love reading and want to pick up a book and have an appreciation of story and can be in a community that talks about books and gets excited about authors then they're going to read more. And then all mm -hmm. of those skills that are important and all of those strategies that they do need to learn and have in their toolbox, they're going to be able to become so much better at that. And then they're going to just read more. And people who read live, I believe, more fulfilled lives mm -hmm. and more have more joy in their life. So we cannot forget about the kids. We cannot forget about the magic when they're are reading because they're dying so much to know what happens that they're reading when we're teaching them about the constitution or they are sneaking that flashlight under their covers. Like that is my goal. Like the joy, the passion, the love for reading above everything else, because without that, what, what Matt, they're not going to keep, keep going. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I know that they'll, they'll, they'll go through cycles in their life where maybe they're not reading as much, but if we can get them to fall in love with it and give them that joy associated with reading, then reading will always be there when they're ready to come back to it. And I think more than anything, we need to make, give kids an opportunity to develop a love of reading. Love it. Love it. And totally agree. And it's not as though that love of reading doesn't unlock literally every other content mm -hmm. area in a child's day that they experience. So yeah, uh, and we are and we are ruining that. 
Like yeah. as a society, like we are when kids come to kindergarten, like they'll sit on the floor and they'll flip through pictures of books all day. They'll call their buddies over. They'll show them a picture of that cool spider or a snake swallowing a whatever they swallow, like they're very excited, right? They, they're, how many times have you walked into a library and seen a group of kids surrounded? They're surrounding like that Guinness book of world record book. Like mm-hmm. we are doing something in school because people love story, right? Like humans, so much of us is like sitting around telling stories, passing on stories from generation to generation or using books to gain knowledge. We're just dying to learn about a topic. Like we have to figure out what it is that we are doing to drive that out of kids because they come to us as lovers of story, as mm-hmm. people who go to books to find information. And part of it is we just kind of got to get out of the way and yeah. let that continue to build because all of the things that we want them, want them, that they need to be able to do as readers, they're not going to be able to do those if they don't read it. But I mean, some, like some kids are just going to be able to do it, but like most of our kids, many of our kids will not be able to do that if we don't help them keep that joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I love that question. It's such an important question of where does that perish along the way and what can we do to mitigate that and to make sure that that love continues? Yeah. Um, and, wh- and why do we, why is reading become such a school thing? I feel yeah. like so often, like we feel like we own like schools own reading for kids. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge problem because the goal of all learning is independence. And if reading becomes a school thing, then when that bell rings at 3.30, when that school year ends on June 8th, then they're not going to be reading. And I'm okay. not sure why that is the case. Why since so often reading in school go hand in hand and we need, if we want them to be independent, we have to find a way for them to see the value in it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so my next question comes from a place of being, this is year 17 for me, year 18 yes, for you. Yes, let's go. Yeah. Um, and so I, I've done kind of the college education thing. I've done middle school, high school. I've had a lot of former students that go into the field of education and then they'll contact me and be like, you know what, this is, this is just not my thing. Um, you know, that, that turnaround is real. And as you were mentioning earlier, there are... Uh, jobs out there and multiple there there are not those multiple applicants so um as teachers are starting their school year uh something along the lines of not survival strategies but uh recommendations things they can keep in mind to kind of help it be the best possible experience that it can be it's very cliche but you have to take care of yourself first a hundred percent you have to make sure you're getting sleep you have to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Uh, I am currently on a run streak. So I've run every day for over four years. So that is like the one hour every single day that I'm by myself. Like I have five, my wife and I have five children. So like it's it's very, there's a lot going on. So mm-hmm. every day, the very first thing that I do is I have a cup of coffee. I do my Wordle and I go for an hour run. And taking care of yourself is so important. I've been calling all of my families and, you know, letting them know, like, if you need me, here's how you get a hold of me. If you have any questions, um, please know that I'm not one that is checking school email at night. Like, I Mm -hmm. just don't do that. If you really need something, you know, you have, you can use the Remind app, the app that we use to communicate. But please know, like, when I'm home, when I leave school, I leave school. And that is something I've gotten so much better at. I used to do so much work at home. 
because uh, it's like you were saying, like you're setting your classroom up, it's done, but you might go in and tweak. Like there's always more work to do in totally. Um, and I don't feel like it's that extra work that makes me the teacher that I am. So I try not to do all of that. And don't sign up for everything, teachers. All y'all are signing up for every committee. You're signing like it's like the same 30% of the teachers are signing up for everything. So okay. I don't sign up for anything that involves lots of meetings, like nothing, because I just don't like meetings. And I want to go home and hang out with my five kids. I want to go to their practices. I'm coaching a kindergarten through second grade flag football team and a third and fourth grade flag football team so I can hang out with my boys. Um, so yeah, take care of yourself. Do things that are fun. Read books. Watch terrible Netflix. All that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I... Uh... I used to be one for checking my email all the time. It was yeah. the first thing I did in the morning. I would be checking emails nine and 10 o'clock at night. And there's just got to be that cutoff line. And as you mentioned, there's remind now, which it's yeah. kind of a sweet thing. Like I missed a day last year to take care of something. And my students checked out or checked in with me by remind. They were like, Dr. D, where are you? What's going <laughs> on? Are you okay? I'm like, oh, you, you, you sweet people. Yeah. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. I'll be back tomorrow. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And uh, hashtag heck yes to not signing up for everything. There's everything. enough leadership to go around. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so I think my last question, and then we can hit anything that we've missed, are the, I always like to provide the resources, the spaces people can go to check out your work, to um, read more, because I know in a 20-minute podcast, we can't hit it all, uh, as well as just anything that I missed that you want to make sure to mention. If people are looking for something to read, I hi it's just really short. It's like a one-pager, and I can send you the link, and you can share it in the description and things. It's the National Council for Teachers of English, NCTE. It's their position statement on independent reading. Because I think that that is one of the biggest misconceptions that we have right now in education, the way that we are trying to control independent reading, which like, are you missing? Like the first word is independent, right? Uh -huh. It's not rocket science, but, and I'm not blaming teachers. I'm not blaming administrators. I know we are trying so hard to do so much for kids, but if we can figure out that piece and getting kids to independence, I think everything else will be Okay, so I highly recommend that. And I'll just share one line from it really quick. The goal of independent reading as an instructional practice is to build habitual readers with conscious reading identities. That is the goal of independent reading. Okay, okay. So that's it. And you don't, yeah, so that, if, if anything I can give, anything that you can take from me in terms of like after this episode, I would highly recommend reading that position statement. Fantastic. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of NCTE, both that organization and AMLE, because they're affordable. You can get things for free if you don't want to pay for mm -hmm. a membership. And there are professional organizations out there that are $100, $200, $300 to be part of. And both of those organizations, if people do want like the digital copies of things, I think they're like, they're, they're much less expensive than that. I don't want to put a dollar amount on that. But uh, I know I'm cheap when it comes to professional organizations. Yeah. And so uh, both of those are, are great ones. Yeah. I do think that's an important thing. I feel like so much of the teacher I am today happen is because I joined the Michigan Reading Association early in my career. Mm -hmm. um, 
connecting with other educators through that. And then eventually the NCTE and being able to go to the national conference here and there over the years, just being around people that are excited about this, I think makes you just feel so refreshed and refueled and, and to talk to people outside of your building. I think so often, at least when I get in my building, I'm like head down, I'm going to work. I'm going to work through my lunch. I'm Mm -hmm. going to, you know, try to do all of these things. Um, but getting involved with people and finding that, that positive, those positive people around, I think is really vital. Yeah. And staying connected to research. They have posts, they have articles. They're not paying me to say this by the way, or anything (laughs) like that. But, um, you know, I've I've looked at some articles where it's like, if you like histograms, this is your thing. Um, so it, it's nice to read accessible research and classroom ideas. What are you most excited about for the upcoming school year? Well, last year was my first year teaching high school in, in quite some time. Okay. And so I kind of stepped in, uh, stepped in for a teacher, kind of like the situation that you were explaining, except it was a re- retirement, not, a, not an illness. And so I'm, I'm really excited to kind of ease in. Last year, I hit the ground running, which was fine. It was okay. But uh, excited to connect with the students again and just I, I always love looking back through the way that I do things. I've, I've been doing this 17 years, as I said, and uh, there's always something to tweak. There's always something mm. to do. So I'm always excited to kind of figure out the best ways to do things and uh, make it meaningful for kids. So what like what classes are you teaching? I have uh, English 2 and English 3, so mostly 10th and 11th graders. Okay. And in the spring, I'll do an AP composition Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. It is fun. It is fun. Yeah. I've I mentioned writing and composition, and I try to communicate the idea that these are things that I do for fun. It, uh, similar to the, yeah. the reading question, you know, writing is something that gives us the chance to share our stories. So it doesn't have to be, you know, crawling on thumbtacks. It can be really interesting and uh, enlivening stuff to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for doing, going back to the high schoolers. I know that at times they get a, a bit of a bad rap these days. And uh, wow, what a hard time to grow up. Like what a hard right. time to be a high schooler with social media and phones and, and all that connectiveness. I can't imagine how hard it is. And yet they're still out there doing awesome things. They are. That I told them one day last year, at least one day, that they're just warriors because, I mean, they've been through a pandemic. They, they've been through all this unrest and uh, they continue going. So it's uh, it's an amazing thing to do. And they truly are warriors. Have you seen that book? It's about to come out. It's called Accountable by Dashka Slater. Have you heard of that? I have not. So it's Dashka wrote the the 57 bus, mm-hmm. um, which was a very won a lot of awards in nonfiction. And this is this book is about a racist social media, true story, a racist social media account and how it destroyed a community. Um, and I'm just really fascinated to see what high schoolers think of it like because they interview like everyone that would interview like teachers a bunch of different children that were involved administrators community members i don't know how she put the the book i can't even imagine how she made it but um yeah i I think that it should be provided like every high school educator middle school educator and administrator should have access to that book because it was really eye-opening to what it's like to be a kid today and how quickly things can can kind of get out of control. 
Yeah, yeah. And you said it's called Accountable. It's called Accountable, and the subtitle is The True Story of a social a racist social media account. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just wrote that down and I will be getting a copy to check out. Yeah, it's 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 really I read on vacation. It's like the worst vacation read ever. <laughs> but uh I just was really excited to read it, having no idea what I was getting myself into. But my wife is a high school teacher, so it's like Elena, Elena. Oh nice, nice. Read this, yeah. read this. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned high school getting a bad rap. At at their core, they are lovely, lovely people. Oh, hundred I mean, really. percent. Yeah, yeah, I think that. I think that they are they give me so much hope. They give me yeah. so much hope. Same here. Same here. Well, you you probably have meetings to get to today and uh, things to set up and I'm crossing yep. off podcast on my list. I officially made it. I'm on the path. Thank you so much for, for adding me to the list and thanks for having us um, talking fun. with me. Yeah. Yeah. Glad have to a great year. Have a great same. year. What a gift it is that we get to do this work. I love this job. And so often mm -hmm. like people are like, I want to be a teacher. And I hear other teachers saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And that breaks my heart. I don't blame yep. them. That breaks my heart that they, they feel that way. And I feel like a big reason that I don't feel that way is because I have amazing, amazing leadership in the buildings that I have taught in mm -hmm. that give me an opportunity to follow my passions and always say yes to my wild ideas. <laughs> so if there's anyone listening that is thinking about being a teacher or you're in the middle of it and you don't know, it, it can be an amazing profession and I feel mm -hmm. blessed to be able to do it. And I hope that you can feel the same way when you walk into your building every day. Likewise, likewise. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And you, there's nothing else that I've ever done that's like teaching. And to echo what you said, and my administrator says this all the time as well, we get to do this. Mm -hmm. We get to go and have these conversations with young people and have the chance to have this input on, on the world and, and to Absolutely. essentially make change. So, yeah. Thanks, Jason. Yep. Thank you.